Hi, this is Mary, and you're listening to Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. Hi, everyone, and welcome. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas. It's Sunday, May 11th, and this, once again, this is your Sunday sermon. Today is part six in our series, Discipleship Matters, and we're going to talk about take up your cross daily, what that actually means. We're going to be studying again, Luke 9, 23. That's our main scripture. I'll tell you more in a minute, but just join me in a word of prayer, if you would. We always will start with prayer, and then we'll continue. Lord, thank you. That's just really what's on my heart right now. Just thank you. I'm just full of gratitude and I'm grateful for all that have come today to hear. Lord, may it be your voice we hear today clearly. Teach us what it means to take up our cross daily to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Well, here I am, Lord. You said take up your cross and I'm here to do it. It's not easy. You know this self-denial thing? I mean, to go through with it. Through with it. Yes, sir. You know, I bet you wish you had more people willing like me to be disciples. I've counted the cost. I've surrendered my life and it's not an easy road. Hey, do you mind if I look over the crosses? I'd kind of like a new one. I'm not picky, you understand, but a disciple has to be relevant these days. I was wondering, are there any that are vinyl padded? I'm thinking of attracting others, you see. And if I could show them that it's comfortable, one that is comfortable, I think I could win a lot more people. And I need something durable so I can always treasure it. Oh, is there one that's sort of flat so it would fit under my coat? One that's not so obvious? Funny, there doesn't seem to be much choice here. Just that coarse, rough wood one, I mean. That would hurt. Don't you have something more distinctive, Lord? I can tell you right now that none of my friends are going to be impressed by this shoddy workmanship. They'll think I'm kind of a nut or something. And my family, they're just going to be mortified. What's that, Lord? It's either one of these or forget the whole thing? But Lord, I want to be your disciple. I mean... Just being with you, that's all that counts, right? But life has to have balance too. But you don't understand, Lord. Nobody lives that way today. Who's going to be attracted by this self-denial bit? I mean, I want to, but let's not overdo it. Start getting radical like this and they'll have me off to the funny farm. You know what I mean? I mean, being a disciple is challenging and exciting and I want to do it, but I have rights, don't I? Now, let's see. No blood, okay? I just can't stand the thought of that. Lord, Lord, Jesus, now where do you suppose he went? That was a quote from Pastor Carlisle Saylor from a writing that he made in March 1982. And it's a beautiful story to introduce this lesson today, taking up our cross daily. You know, Christianity was never designed to be comfortable or for us to approach our relationship with Christ casually. No, Jesus Christ is looking for devoted disciples who are completely committed to him. He doesn't want faithless fans. He wants faithful followers. As I mentioned last time, we're taking three weeks to drill down into one verse, Luke 9:23. It says this, Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. I summarized that sermon this way, If you want to follow Jesus, then it will cost you your life. After considering the call to discipleship last week, we talked about two of the four conditions of discipleship. The first one was desire. We said that a person must desire to be a disciple. Luke 9:23. if any of you wants to be my follower, there's the desire. Next was denial, specifically denying self. Verse 23, again, you must give up your own way. There's the denial of self. 
Now, today our focus is on the third condition of discipleship, death. And we're going to see this in the next part of verse 23, where it says, take up your cross daily. And oh, by the way, next weekend, we'll unpack the fourth condition of discipleship, the importance of devotion. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. Would you do that? And just listen as I read Luke 9, 23. Then Jesus said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your own cross daily and follow me. Now let's look at this third condition more closely, shall we? Take up your cross daily. Again, this is the continuation from conditional clauses before it. If any of you wants to be my follower, there's the beginning. Here's the condition. You must give up your own way. So after making sure we desire to be a disciple and we're denying ourselves, the next step is to take up your cross daily. To take up, it means to pick up. It essentially means to lift from the ground. And in the Greek, it's referred to as an aorist imperative. In other words, it's a command that's expected to be followed one time without delay. Interestingly, in the last part of Matthew 14, verse 20, after feeding the 5,000, we read, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. So after bending over to pick up leftovers, now they are called to humble themselves and pick up the very thing that will take their lives. The same word is found in Matthew 11:29 when Jesus said, "Take my yoke upon you." It was also used of Simon of Cyrene when he was compelled to carry the cross of Christ. The command to take up, it shows that crosses are not forced on our backs because they don't come against our will. The cross is not something we have to lift. It's a burden we choose to bear for Christ's sake. To take up is a conscious decision to be a cross-bearer by picking up what is difficult, distasteful, and what leads to death. Now note, Jesus said each person must take up their own cross. Christ bore a cross we can never bear when he carried the collective weight of our sins and endured the righteous wrath of our holy God, resulting in our redemption and forgiveness. While Simon assisted Jesus with his cross, we're called to carry our cross, not his. Listen to the words from a beautiful hymn written back in 1693. It's called must Jesus bear the cross alone? I'm going to read you just one verse, but I've included a link to the song in the description today for you. It says, must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone and there's a cross for me. In the introduction to Erwin Lutzer's book, We Will Not Be Silenced, he quotes a Christian poet named Vasily Zakovsky who said, we all have crosses to bear, and we are constantly trying on different ones for a good fit. Lutzer adds, we're always looking for the lightest cross to bear. Charles Spurgeon told of the story of a group of cross bearers who were invited to bring their crosses and put them in a big pile. Then they were told to pick up the one they liked the best. Of course, no one took the one that he or she had come with, but they went away with their neighbor's cross on their back. After only a few hours, they returned asking to have their old crosses back. They discovered the cross they had carried before had so worn their shoulders that they had become used to that particular burden. The new cross was rubbing them in new places, which they were not happy about, and so they were glad to put their neighbor's cross back down and walk away with their own. You're not called to carry someone else's cross, beloved. You are to take up your cross, and I'm to take mine. Carrying your cross is unique and individualistic. Jesus cannot do it for you, nor can anyone else. Warren Wiersbe writes, Jesus did not stop with a private announcement of his own death. He also made a public declaration about a cross for every disciple. These words of Jesus, they must have sounded radical in the first century. 
Crucifixion was a common Roman punishment with over 30,000 people nailed to crosses throughout the Roman Empire during the lifetime of Jesus. A few years earlier, before Jesus and his disciples arrived in Caesarea Philippi, 100 men had been crucified in the area. Someone once wrote, At times the roads around Jerusalem were lined with hundreds of crosses bearing dead and dying men, their bodies bloated in the sun, surrounded by flies covered with maggots. It's not a pretty thought, or one calculated to win the masses. Jesus picked the one image that would make the most people turn away. Everyone knew the cross was an instrument of shame, suffering, torture, and death. When a person took up his cross, he was beginning a death march. Here's some questions to make the call of a cross-bearing more personal. Are you willing to lose your closest friends? Are you willing to be alienated from your family? Are you willing to lose your reputation? Are you willing to lose your very life? That doesn't mean that all this is going to happen, but the key is to be ready for them to happen. In essence, cross-bearing means being willing to pay any price for Christ's sake. You know, unfortunately, we have romanticized the cross by turning it into jewelry and artwork. When we do reference this verse, we often say something like, well, I guess that's just the cross I must bear. And normally it refers to putting up with some obnoxious relative or boss or living with an illness. Let's remember the cross was carried by condemned criminals and ended with a humiliating and excruciating execution. To carry your cross meant you were bearing it until you eventually reached the place where you would be crucified. Everyone knew the person was saying goodbye to everything and there was no turning back. We're called to crucify the cult of self-fulfillment, self-promotion, and self-centeredness. We're to die to our rights, the right to be right, the right to take revenge, and the right to fight. As J.C. Ryle puts it, a religion which costs nothing is worth nothing. Interestingly, according to almost universal tradition and archaeological evidence, the Apostle Peter ended up literally fulfilling this when he was crucified on a cross, reportedly upside down. It's reported 11 of the disciples died martyrs' deaths. Christine Hoover writes, Nonetheless, the cross is relentless in my life. It pursues and crucifies my claims on self-rule and self-glory. The gospel, because it is by nature sacrificial, requires my self-sacrifice. The gospel lays claim to all of us. Christ lays claim to our ambitions, our money, our minds, our work, our children, and yes, even our sexual activity. We cannot lay out for the unconverted a Christianity that will make life better, when in fact faith in Jesus will often make life more difficult because the priceless value of knowing him comes at a cost to self. We become no longer our own, she says. Everything we are and do must be submitted to someone else, namely Christ. Unfortunately, we live in a time of cheap grace and easy believism, where Christianity is more identified with health and wealth than with surrender, sacrifice, and service. Oswald Chambers says, All heaven is interested in the cross of Christ. All hell is terrified of it, while men are the only beings who more or less ignore its meaning. A number of years ago, a book came out which was made into a movie. It was called Dead Man Walking. It referred to a death row prisoner walking from his cell to the place to be executed. When he passed the other cells, the prisoners would shout, Dead Man Walking! The man was alive and walking, but he was as good as dead. He was on a one-way journey, and he would not be coming back. Once A.W. Tozer was asked what it meant to take up your cross, Tozer answered by telling a story. A young man came to an older believer and asked, What does it mean to be crucified? The older man thought a bit and answered, To be crucified means three things. 
First, the man who is crucified is facing only one direction. Second, the man on the cross is not going back. Third, the man on the cross has no further plans of his own. That's pretty good, isn't it? A disciple is facing one direction. He's not going back, and he has no further plans of his own. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it challenges us to give our lives fully to the Lord. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. We are supposed to surrender ourselves as living sacrifices, beloved. As someone once observed, the problem with living sacrifices is they keep crawling off the altar. Greg Allen offers this insight. To crucify a man was to expose him, naked and battered for public ridicule and shame. It was to pin him, bleeding and in writhing agony, to beams of wood suspended by his arms until the life was slowly drained out of him. It was something so terrible it was reserved for the vilest of criminals and scoundrels, the scum of the earth. To be forced to bear one's own cross, then, was to be made to embrace its shame and humiliation. To carry it to the place of execution was to carry the instrument of one's own dying. To bear the cross was the polar opposite of embracing the right to self. Salvation is free, beloved, but discipleship, it will cost you your life. Don't miss this, though. Death is to be daily. The need for dying to self is never finished in this lifetime. It needs to be a daily decision of the will because discipleship is a daily discipline where we follow Jesus one step at a time, one day at a time. A.T. Pearson says, Getting rid of the self-life is like peeling an onion, layer upon layer, and it's a tearful process. Each day, every day, today, you and I, we've got to decide to die to self and identify with Christ in surrender, suffering, and sacrifice. This is not just an occasional occurrence, only when we feel like it. It's to be a response of obedience every single day. Why do I have to do that? Because every morning when I get up, my flesh wants to be fed. My desires want to dominate and my will wants what I want. As someone once said, fallen flesh is still depraved flesh and is not dead. Seeing ourselves as crucified with Christ, it gives us power to live the Christian life according to Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 5.24 says, Those who belong to Jesus Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. And in Galatians 6.14 Paul stated his crucifixion with Christ enabled him not to follow the ways of the world. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. As I was preparing for this sermon, I came across another sermon by Charles Spurgeon. It was titled, A Procession of Cross Bearers. Spurgeon preached that sermon in 1875, 137 years before Word of Hope Christian Church began. It was so good, I'll tell you truly, I was going to preach it to you today. Instead, I just want to give you some of his encouragements that came from that sermon as to why we should take up the cross. The first encouragement is this. You cannot be a disciple unless you take up the cross. Number two, think of those who've come before you and have carried a heavier cross. This would include the noble martyrs and sufferers for Christ's sake, like those described in Hebrews 11:36 36 through 38, which says, 
Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half and others were killed by the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. Thirdly, contemplate the severe sufferings of our Savior. Spurgeon quotes this statement, His way was much rougher and darker than mine. Did Christ my Lord suffer, and shall I repine? Although tribulation is the path God's children must take, they can take comfort in knowing that their master has traveled that way before them. More than that, they have his presence with them, his sympathy to encourage them, his grace to support them, and his example to teach them how to endure. 1 Peter 2.21 says, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. The fourth point is this. Grace will be given to help you bear your cross. Here's point five. Cross-bearing will be a blessing. Number six, Jesus is honored when you carry your cross. And number seven, in a short time, your cross will be exchanged for a crown. There are no crown wearers in heaven who are not cross-bearers here below. Taking up your cross, beloved, is quite a condition for discipleship, isn't it? Do you desire to be a disciple? Are you denying yourself? Have you died by taking up your cross? Once again, salvation is free, but discipleship, it will cost you your life. I'd like to end this sermon by sharing the introduction of Spurgeon's sermon, the one I just talked about. This is what he said. Your mind's eye can see the procession yonder. Notice it carefully. At the head of it, there walks one whom we rightly call Master and Lord. You may know him by the prints of the nails in his hands and feet. I observe that he carries a cross and that it's a very heavy one. Do you see the long line following him? They are all those of whom the world was not worthy. That line has been continued even to this day and will continue until the present dispensation shall close. As you watch these different followers of Christ in procession, one thing will strike you, that however much they differ in some respects, they are all alike in one thing. Every one of them carries a cross. There is no exception to this rule. From the master down to the last disciple, it is a procession of cross bearers. Beloved, discipleship is difficult, but it's also a delight. Jesus went through a lot of pain, but what he did for us is described as joy. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says we're to keep our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. I'd like to share with you one more illustration before we end today. There's a story that's told about a boy who desperately wanted to meet Christ. He was praying hard about it, and one day the Lord told him to walk up to the mountain carrying his cross. He took his cross and began his journey. In some time, he began to feel the heaviness of that cross. He cut out a small portion of it and began to walk. Soon later, he felt the cross heavy again. He cut another piece off and continued the journey. This happened a few more times until he finally reached the mountaintop. There he found Jesus standing at the peak at another neighboring mountain. Jesus told him, my son, now lay down your cross and walk over it to me. But as he laid down his cross, he found that it couldn't bridge the two mountains. The gap was exactly the same that he had cut down. He realized that if he would have managed to bear the cross without cutting it down, he would have reached Jesus. Beloved, what about you today? Have you cut your cross so short that it won't bridge the gap? Jesus' cross bridges the gap. And we're told that we need to carry it, each one of our own, to have that commitment. And it's not easy, but we have a Savior 
who's already done it. Beloved, I'd encourage you to draw near to Jesus today and he'll draw near to you. Thanks for listening. God bless you. Go in peace. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.